Apollo Windows and Doors of Wisconsin has six lines to fit your style and financing to fit any budget. Through November 30th, choose 12 months, no payments and no interest, plus 20% off installation. Set your free consultation now at PellaWI.com. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Just when you think it's not going to get any worse, it, it does, in fact, get worse. This horrible story out of Waukesha yesterday, the Christmas parade back after a year of being put in mothballs because of COVID, uh, the Milwaukee Christmas Parade is not back as of yet. So, you know, here you're, this is probably the largest Christmas parade in the area. You have families that are down there. They're getting ready to enjoy this. And now we're looking at at least five people dead, 40 people injured, including children, people at six area hospitals, just an absolute horror. You have by now all seen the videos of this. Uh, it's just, it's just absolutely stunning. You see everybody marching in the parade and then you see this red SUV driving like a bat out of you know where going through the parade route and it, it, it appears almost as if they're, they're targeting people to, to hit. I don't know if that was true or not, but they certainly hit a number of people. And the big question, of course, is what happened? Why, why, why did something like this occur? Who could possibly be responsible for this? And we're now, of course, starting to learn exactly who was responsible. And in some cases, it's raising more questions than answers. Uh, the individual who has been identified as being the driver of the vehicle, his name is Daryl Brooks Jr. He has not, as of yet, been charged with any criminal activity, but in light of everything in light of everything that's been discussed, including most recently a statement just issued by the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office, I have no compunction at all by by indicating you know his name and his record. I have in my hands the rap sheet of one Daryl Brooks. All right, date of birth, um, February twenty first of nineteen eighty two. Page one. Let's see. We go back, and again, I'm not going to. I'm going. I'm going to throw out. I'm not even going to mention the civil actions or the paternity cases or things like that. Um, Sheboygan closed. Charge issued on November 9th, February 9th of 2005. All right. Another charge. This is in Manitowoc County, February 21st of 2005. Let's see. We'll go over state of Wisconsin, Shawano. October 17th of 2006. Wood County, February 4th of 2010. Milwaukee County, March 25th of 2011. Page 2. Let's see. Um, State of Wisconsin, March 25th, 2011. Milwaukee County. Uh, uh, November 1st, 2011. Milwaukee County. Uh, December 13th. 2011, Milwaukee County. Let's see. March 7th, 2012, Milwaukee County. June 12th, 2014, Shawano County. Uh, let's see. July 28th, 2020. This is an open charge, Milwaukee County. That's uh, July 28th. We've got that. Let's see. Then, of course, we go to November 5th, 2021, Milwaukee County, 
open. So you get the idea. This is somebody not his first time at the rodeo. Here's what the Journal Sentinel has to say about Daryl Brooks Jr. 39-year-old Milwaukee man with an open court case related to domestic violence has been taken into custody. Daryl Brooks Jr., the man suspected of being the driver, has been charged three times in less than two years with recklessly endangering the safety of others, most recently on November 5th as part of a domestic abuse incident for which he was also charged with resisting or obstructing an officer. In the most recent case, a woman told police that Brooks purposely ran her over with his vehicle while she was walking through a gas station parking lot after he had followed her there after a fight. The woman was hospitalized for her injuries. Brooks was released from jail. The Journal Sentinel says Friday. Actually, I think it was about a week earlier than that. After posting a $1,000 bond in the recent incident. He was also charged in July of 2020 with two felony counts of second-degree recklessly endangering the safety of others using a dangerous weapon. Both cases are ongoing. Did I mention that the with a record like this, he's charged in July of 2020 with felony counts of second-degree recklessly endangering the safety of others. He's out on the street on bail, $1,000 bail on that charge. Um, well, and so then he's accused of trying to run somebody over, and they put him back on bail again. I think knowing that there was going to be, well, a, a lot of comments on how this guy could be out on the street, within the last half hour or so, the district attorney's office, John Chisholm, has issued a statement, and I will tell you, it, it's a statement unlike any that I have seen in a long time. I will read it to you in its entirety if you want to see it, and you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. I've got a link to this. November 21st, 2021, Office of the District Attorney of Milwaukee County, John Chisholm, District Attorney. Below is the summary of pending charges against Mr. Daryl Brooks. On July 27, 2020, the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office issued two counts of second-degree recklessly endangering safety and felon in possession of a firearm in case number such-and-such. Cash bail was originally set at $10,000 and subsequently reduced to $7,500. Unlike some states, Wisconsin requires payment in the full amount for bail set in any criminal case. So let me stop there. You've got this guy, and I kind of gave you the different instances of his contact with law enforcement. So July 27th of 2020, he's charged with being a felon in possession of a gun and recklessly endangering safety. Bail's originally ten grand. They reduce it to seventy five hundred. On February 9th, twenty twenty one, the state was prepared to proceed to a scheduled jury trial. Mister Brooks was still in custody on this matter and had previously made a demand for a speedy jury trial. Because another jury trial was in progress in the same court, the defendant's demand for a speedy trial could not be met. The case was adjourned and bail was reduced to five hundred dollars. So they take it from ten grand to $7,500 to $500, which the defendant posted on February 21st of 2021. So he bails out of a felon in possession of a gun charge and second-degree recklessly endangering safety. He bails out with his record for 500 bucks. okay? On November 5th, 2021, the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office issued against Mr. Brooks charges of second-degree recklessly endangering safety, felony bail jumping, battery, obstructing an officer, and disorderly conduct.
the most recent case against Mr. Brooks was appropriately charged. Okay, so presumably this is the one where the guy who is awaiting trial on the um, felon in possession of a gun and recklessly endangering safety, I presume this is the one where the woman says he ran over her with his her car while she was walking in a gas station parking lot. So he's out on bail already, awaiting trial from July of 2020. So this happens, um, and they charge on November 5th. The most recent case against Mr. Brooks was appropriately charged. The state made a cash bail request in this case of $1,000, which was set by the court. The defendant posted $1,000 cash bail on November 11th, resulting in his release from custody. Now, let me stop for a second. How in God's green earth anybody can think that somebody with this criminal record who is awaiting serious charges, who then goes out and allegedly tries to run over, actually does run over somebody in a parking lot with a car, should be released again on a $1,000 bond. How anybody in the system thinks that that is appropriate is beyond all understanding. But the statement continues from the DA's office. The state's bail recommendation in this case was inappropriately low in light of the nature of the recent charges and the pending charges against Mr. Brooks. The bail recommendation in this case is not consistent with the approach of the Milwaukee County District Attorney's Office towards matters involving violent crime, nor was it consistent with the risk assessment of the defendant prior to setting of bail. This office is currently conducting internal review of the decision to make the recent bail recommendation in this matter in order to determine the appropriate next steps. So the only part about that, now they own the fact that this was an inappropriate recommendation. I guess the part that I take light uh, issue with is where they say it's not consistent with the approach of the DA's office towards matters involving violent crime, because candidly, I think it is emblematic of the way the district attorney's office handles violent crime and handles crime in general, where we take people who are charged with crimes and we do everything we can to put them back out on the streets again. So for everybody who heard this news yesterday, and I heard from some of you who wanted to politicize this or this is a result of the Rittenhouse verdict, or this is a result of this is Trump's fault, or things like that. No, but what we have here is somebody who should not have been out on bail in the first place, who is out on a ridiculously low bail. They haven't explained what it was that caused him to drive through the, the parade route. I mean, some of the early reports are that he might have been involved in yet another criminal activity and was trying to flee from that. Don't know if that's the case or not. But regardless of what happened, he shouldn't have been in that car. Oh, did I mention he doesn't have a, he doesn't have a driver's license? But I guess that that's an aside. And yet, as a result of that, this guy was on the street in a position to kill now at least five people and injure 40 more, destroy a Christmas parade. And, you know, now the question becomes, you know, where do you go from here? All right. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here is my first takeaway from this horrible story. And there are a number of takeaways. But how many more of these Daryl Brooks cases do we have to hear? How many more times does this have to happen? 
whether it's the kids with the lengthy criminal records who are out there stealing cars and blowing through red lights, or the multiple felons who are out on ridiculously low bail who engage in this type of antisocial conduct and leave people dead, how many more times does this have to happen before we recognize that what we are doing now does not work? And trying to bend over backwards to release dangerous people out into the community is just a recipe for disaster. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think the the District Attorney's Office obviously knew it had a huge public relations problem on on its hands with this, and to their credit, immediately got out in front of it by acknowledging that they screwed up royally. And, and that's all well and good. Hopefully, heads will roll. My point is, this is the type of stuff that happens on a daily basis in, in the court system. The only reason this is getting as much attention is that the guy who was let out when he shouldn't have been has now killed five people and injured 40 more, and who knows how many are ultimately going to end up seriously injured when the death count is, is totaled and the fatality count is totaled the, the horror of what happened here and 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 it shouldn't have this was preventable anybody could have looked at this and said this guy should not be out on the streets on a thousand dollars bail or five hundred dollars bail or whatever and yet we put him out on the streets like that let's start with terry on the south side terry you're on wtmj hey good afternoon hi terry hey uh hey jeff you know you predicted this for the for so long I've been listening to your show, and you've been talking about that revolving door downtown. Mm-hmm. And there are thousands of guys just like this guy in Milwaukee right now, guys and girls. And, you know, I'm from the south side. I lived on the north side for a long time. I actually moved out to Waukesha, and I actually live maybe three minutes away from where this happened. Mm-hmm. I moved my family out here to get away from the violence and stuff that's occurring in Milwaukee and to see uh, one of these guys come out here and do this. Mm-hmm. And, and and he allegedly he was fleeing in a vehicle from another incident. Maybe the police were chasing him from the video. It looks like they were in pursuit of him. That leads into what you were talking about before. I think heads need to roll. I think we need, we're paying taxes. We need to get back to enforcing the laws. There needs to be mandatory minimum. We need to raise the bail for guys like this. I think domestic violence should be a felony. No one should be getting out on bail for domestic violence and a lot of times subjecting the women back to these guys who get out and can go right back and harm them. I, uh, we, we, I, I couldn't agree more, more with you, Terry. And, and we thanks to call. And see, and the thing is, <clears throat> we're getting a public acknowledgement about this case, but but there are there are hundreds of Daryl Brooks cases that are out there where you have people who are reduced on, released on ridiculously low bails or should be in jail but aren't. They're out on double secret probation who are committing crimes. But we don't hear about them because there, there's not five people that are dead. But it doesn't mean that their crime victims aren't just as much victims. In this case, it's getting it's getting national, international attention because of the nature of the offense. But this is happening on a regular basis. And don't even get me started about the juvenile justice system where the criminal records of these little precious darlings are protected. So when you hear the story about the 14-year-old who stole in the car, I'm sorry, he was 13, and run over and murdered the woman in the parking lot at the Holiday Inn Express out by Mayfair, we, we don't even know 
what had gone on beforehand because juvenile records are protected and you can't even find out how many times the kid has been involved in criminal activity. The only reason we know this is the guy is a career criminal who has been committing crimes, you know, since he was a teenager, apparently. Let's talk to Kristen in Waukesha. Kristen, you're on WTMJ. Hi, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. You may or may not agree with me, but this is my opinion. And I'm calling in, so thank you for taking my call. Sure. I, I blame the bleeding heart judge. How is he going to sleep the rest of his night, the rest of the night? The thing is, they're afraid to prosecute black people now in fear of protesting, because that's what happened. And I, I just, I'm so livid and so... Well, Chris, and let me, thanks, I mean, Chris, th- thanks for calling. See, I don't think. Let me, let me stop you. Think, I see. I, I don't see this in in racial terms. It's not that people are are afraid to prosecute people. It's that we have this general attitude about how we we don't want to hold people uh, accountable. And, and I don't I don't see this along racial terms. I mean, I, look, the, the the DA's office didn't re, re, didn't recommend this guy getting a thousand dollars bail because he was white or black or whatever. I don't think they saw it in racial terms. They just don't like to hold people in custody, that the general attitude is we want to bend over backwards to try to release people, in part because I think they are sensitive to some loud voices in the community that are saying, okay, we're incarcerating too many people pre-trial, and this is terrible. Well, the bottom line is there's a reason why we are incarcerating people. They pose dangers. And in this particular case, it's it's a failure of the DA's office. It's also a failure of, of the judge, this underlying case. He's trying another case, so he says, well, I can't get to yours, so I'm going to reduce a $10,000 bail to 7500 and then I'm going to reduce it to, what was it, 1000 Bucks, so we let the guy out on 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 jail out bail because we can't get around to his case. Well, maybe the recommendation to the judge would be, well, maybe you, you need to. I had federal judges who tried two cases at once. You try one case in the morning, you try another in the afternoon. If that's the choice, maybe you work late. If that's the choice for letting dangerous people out on ridiculously low bails, maybe the answer is you work a little bit harder. You figure out ways. No, I mean, I understand what happened. The guy had been held in jail. He wouldn't, hadn't been able to make the bail for like six or seven months. He demands a speedy trial. The judge says, well, I can't get to it, so we're just going to let him back out on the street and and what is the result of that? Well, people are dead. He shouldn't have been back out on the street in the first place. The second case was just a truly staggeringly stupid decision by the district attorney's office to take somebody who's out on a ridiculously low bail to begin with, who apparently is allegedly allegedly runs over somebody, and to put him back out on the streets as quick as you can say Jack Flash and send him back out on the streets again on a ridiculously low bail on top of that. It's a complete and total breakdown of the system. Lots of blame to go around. But the question is, who's going to stand up and do something about this? You know, is this is maybe Daryl Brooks Jr. Is maybe this the straw that finally breaks the camel's back when people come up and say enough is enough? This catch and release revolving door system that puts dangerous criminals, regardless of age, back out on the street. Maybe it's time for us to stop doing it. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Uh, the ju- people say name the judges, name the judges. The judge who was unable to 
accommodate the speedy trial request uh, that when it happened in July of in the this, this summer of 2020, his name is David Feist. He's a former DA, just reelected to a new six-year term uh, last April. The court commissioner who set the bail at a thousand dollars. His name is Cedric Cornwall. I, I'm. I, I, but I, I'm not as, I'm not critical of him necessarily because the problem is he did what the DA's office recommended. The DA's office came in when they had this uh, Darren Brooks, Daryl Brooks there, and they said, okay, despite the fact that the guy is awaiting trial on multiple felony counts um, and now he's accused of running somebody over with a car, we think that it's appropriate for you to put him out on bail of $1,000. So in this case, it's not like the court commissioner said, oh, no, that's inappropriate. The court commissioner took his cue from the district attorney's office and put the guy back out on the street. The whole thing is just mind-boggling. Here's a text. Jeff, I'm a law enforcement officer in Milwaukee County. I have heard that the Milwaukee County DA's office is approximately... 15 has approximately 15,000 cases that have not yet been reviewed for charging decisions. This and the incident from yesterday are a result of not forcing DAs to come into work and allow them to work from home for over a year. Um, interesting, you know, interesting position um, on on this, you know, and it's very clear, though, that, you know, institutionally, COVID has been a license to commit crimes. The courts were largely shut down. So as a result of the courts being shut down, you had the district attorney's office, which was reluctant to charge cases because, well, the courts are shut down. If we arrest people, you know, what are we going to end up doing with them? The judges have largely not been working for a huge chunk of time, so they haven't been trying cases. So the idea is, well, we don't want people, even if they've committed crimes, unless they're accused of murder, you know, we don't want people sitting around, you know, if they're not able to make bail, so we're going to try to set ridiculously low bails, and then, of course, you know, the the cases aren't going to get processed and they're not going to come to court. It's literally an excuse to allow dangerous people to get back out on the street over and over again. And, And I said, Again, and I'll say it, I've said it before, I'll say it again. The, the, the problem is we, we're only hearing about the tip of the iceberg because these Daryl Brooks Jr. stories happen every day around here where you have people who should be in jail who are out of jail, who are committing crimes. Now, it doesn't make the news. It's not a featured subject of a talk radio program because they, they don't go out and, and they don't kill five people and injure 40-plus more driving crazy in a reckless fashion through a, a Christmas parade in Waukesha. What they do is they go out and, and they steal cars or they commit burglaries or they, they go on you know shooting sprees of road rage on the freeways. And, and we, we never hear about these things because the end result, even though it could be really bad, the end result is because of just pure luck or whatever, it, it doesn't end up in somebody being dead. So it, it's just you know swept under the rug, and it's one of these quiet stories there. Our criminal justice system is failing. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. Now, maybe, maybe, maybe people will look at this and we will finally say, we, we've got to change this. We've got to, we've got to say that it's a big deal when kids go out and steal cars and drive 90 miles an hour and then get caught and then are put, sent back to their parents in 12 hours and three nights later they're out stealing cars again. We, we've got to be concerned about this, not just when the kid steals a car, drives 90 miles an hour, gets on the freeway going the wrong way and kills a bunch of people. We've got to get 
get concerned about it early on because every time they drive recklessly in that stolen car, there is the potential that somebody could end up dead. Every time a multiple felon is released on a ridiculously low bail, we leave ourselves open to these types of situations. Thank God it's, generally speaking, not as bad as what happened yesterday. But but it happens, and it happens regularly. And nobody knows about it. Nobody's held accountable for it. And the rest of us, the law-abiding citizens, we're held hostage by the criminal element and a court system that is completely and totally failing people, period. All right, let's switch gears. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right, I think the clear, unmistakable lesson of what happened yesterday is, again, the failure of the criminal justice system, our refusal to take dangerous people and get them off the streets, right? There, There may be other lessons as well. And, you know, one of the things I'm hearing today is maybe you need more security at these type of Christmas parades. But the the question is, how do you ever... How do you ever do that? I I mean, you can't have, I don't know, metal barricades or concrete barricades blocking off the access to every street on on a Christmas parade in a medium-sized town, whether it's Waukesha, Wisconsin, or Sparta, Wisconsin, or anywhere else in the country. As part of a free and open society, if we're going to have these nice things, we have to understand that there are some risks that are involved. But let's, let's tee this up. As a result of what happened yesterday, are you less likely to take your family out to another sort of similar event, a 4th of July parade in your local community, the Christmas parades in in your community? I mean, does this make you hesitant to show up? Or was this just a a one-off, and we need to recognize that bad stuff can unfortunately happen anytime, anywhere? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, is is one of the lessons from this that we, we need to be more cautious? Can our concern that we haven't been able to control crime in our area, can that dictate all sorts of other things? And if it does, does that mean we've let the bad guys win? 855-616-1620. All right, next time a Christmas parade rolls around, maybe there's something in your community this weekend you're going to be attending. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Hearing from a lot of people in law enforcement about, you know, why, what the many reasons why you have dangerous people that are out on the streets in a position to hit and kill other folks. Here's another text, Jeff. Also, I work for MPD. We have multiple cases like the one involving the guy in Waukesha. The DAs have been working at home. They're not planning on returning back to work until after the beginning of the year. The DA's office is essentially closed. Um, there's no in-person charging conferences. Huge issue in Milwaukee County. This is half the reason the cases aren't getting charged or that they have incredibly low bails. Well, that's... That, that's, I think, makes as much sense as anything. All right. The question, though, is, is what happened yesterday? Do we view this as a one-off, or is this the sign of a larger problem? Because the, the reality is, and all this morning I was hearing from people who wanted to come on the air, and I'm a security expert, and I can talk about security at events like this. Well, the problem is, 
we, we are a free society, and, and you've got a parade route, whether it's in the city of Milwaukee or whether it's in Waukesha County or whether it's in, you know, Whitefish Bay or whatever. You, you've got blocks and blocks and blocks of things, and there's only so much security that you can have. And when you have somebody who has no regard for life and decides that they want to drive a vehicle in a reckless fashion, there, there's only so much that you can do. We are, by nature of being an open society, we are a vulnerable society. Okay, 855-616-1620. Jeff, I will be attending a parade on Saturday. Well, I think that that's um, good. Um, Jeff, uh, let's see. The tragedy in Waukesha won't stop me from going to parades. I wonder how many organizations and bands will stop participating, though. It's um, very sad. Yeah, it, it is it is very sad that, and I mean, I, I think that's now the the question. I mean, you look at people, you know, you decide you want to participate in an event. You know, your your group wants to march in these things. You you think, you know, th- there's many risks that you would take if you're walking in a parade, like on a day like yesterday. Maybe you're afraid you're going to get frostbite. Maybe you're afraid, I don't know, you know, that it's gonna you're going to get winded by walking there. Maybe you're afraid that you're end up a little bit cold. I don't think you really think of the fact that somebody's going to come driving through the parade route and driving in a fashion that picks off a number of the people. But, I mean, I do wonder, as a practical matter, especially when it's kids, you know, if, if you've got you've got little kids, for example, that are going to participate, maybe you'd want to have them go out and mark, watch, mark, walk on these parade routes. The question becomes, you know, do you, you know, do you do that and do you allow that? Um so, you know, what can you say? Let's see, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Um, Jeff, we take our cue from the COVID playbook. Any and all events, including parades, will be canceled in the name of safety. We just can't safe-proof life and still enjoy it. Just like I never stopped traveling or visiting friends in the name of COVID, I will not stop attending public events in the name of safety. And I actually agree. I think that that's the philosophy that you have to have. You can't allow the bad guys to win. The fact that we we can't protect ourselves from all the evil people that are in this world, the fact that we can't protect ourselves from all the the, the stuff that, that's in the world, the fact that you could, you know, you, you might be, you might get sick and you might, you know, end up, you know, in the hospital or something like that. You take precautions. You're aware of your circumstances. Maybe you decide that you're going to get vaccinated. Maybe you maintain social distancing to the best you can. But after you do that, you go out and you, you know, live your life. Now, somebody says, well, maybe you should have the parades earlier in the day when less people like this are out. Well, the, the point is you want to have the parades. This is like this Christmas parade is done in conjunction with the, the start of the holiday shopping season in downtown Waukesha. So, I mean, look, there's look, we want to bring people out and we want to have people, you know, masked there that are enjoying stuff. But we also, you know, want people to, oh, the parade is over here. I'm, I'm going to stop off and I'm going to have some food maybe. Or, you know, we were walking down the main streets of Waukesha and I haven't been in this great little shop for the last year and a half, but now I'm down here and maybe I'll do some Christmas shopping there. So, there, I mean, you know, there there is an element you, you want to have large crowds. That's the whole idea. You want people to come out and attend these things so that you can get in a situation. Because that's it. There is a business component to this. 
and unfortunately, you're you're not seeing it. Jeff, I'm not going to stop going to places, but I think about things like this when I see thousands of people, you know, waiting to go through metal detectors at Lambeau or Amfan Fields. I, there, there's no question. We have given up some of our, in the name of security, we've given up some of our freedoms. It's one thing, though, to say, okay, we're going to have metal detectors to get into Lambeau. We're going to have medical detectors to get into American Family Field. You, you, you can't have that at the parade. And as what happened yesterday showed, even even with that, you cannot protect yourselves from, from the crazies. You can't protect yourself from some career criminal in you know an SUV who decides that he's going to do what he's decided to do for whatever reason he's going to do it from. And and so we have to figure out how do we live with this. Would this stop me from participating in a parade? No, it wouldn't. Would it stop me from going to a parade? No, I, it wouldn't, because it, it's a one-off. But I do think it raises these issues and these fair questions about do we need more do we need to do more to identify the people who might be prone to do something like this or something similar and get them off the streets? And the answer to that is absolutely we do. And this is Jeff Wagner, 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Phil in Stevens Point. Hi, Phil. Yeah, thanks for letting me call. Sure. Uh, in the summer, I usually participate in a lot of the parades around Well. In, in the city of Stevens Point, but then we do the smaller towns like Amherst and Rush Oak sure. and Almond and Bancroft and Junction City. And um, it's always in the back of my mind that, that something like this could happen. But primarily more what, what I always worry about is that, say, should someone have a medical emergency? That was always a thing. But I think everybody that goes to these things, and I, I myself, I'm always trying to make myself aware of my surroundings as to what would be the best yeah. escape route should something like that happen ever. And I think that's, you know, that should somewhat kind of probably be instilled but who am i to say what a and i don't disagree with anything you said phil but what a sad reflection on on what's going on that you know you're going to march in a parade you're going to participate in something and you know one of the things you have to have on your checklist is gee i want to figure out what my escape route is going to be if somebody if somebody decides to do something stupid driving on a on a freeway in a big city you always got to be aware of your surroundings like defensive driving you got to be you know how you go but who would ever think of this? Because my, my main concern was always uh, typically what I would always envision would be a medical emergency, right. not nothing like this. Yeah, know? no, th- right, I get it. But no, thanks. For, no, I mean, I, I get it. Like the guy who's driving the, 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 the giant float who has a heart attack or something behind the wheel and the thing careens off or, and, and into the crowd or something like that. I, I get it. And you, and you think of things like, you know, when you, I go to a lot of these parades where, and it's common that they throw candy, you know, and, and you've got the kids that want to run out in the street and kind of grab candy. And, and you're always thinking about, okay, well, there's, for example, there, there's horses in this parade and you want to make sure some kid doesn't run out into the street and grab the candy and inadvertently get stepped on by a horse or something. There, there are, I get it. If you go to a parade, there's all these things that you want to be mindful of because they, they could, in fact, happen. But the idea that you're going to have somebody who's going to do what this guy did down a parade route in an effort. I mean, I don't know if he was fleeing law enforcement authorities. I mean, I keep looking at the video and I, I see that there was a, a deputy's car behind him. And so may, maybe that's exactly what was happening because it wouldn't surprise me if having been released on yet another bail situation, the guy had committed yet another crime and was trying to get away from the cops. A lot of people are asking, what can they do? They, they want to help. I know 
for example, there is a blood shortage. A number of the area blood banks and hospitals are actively soliciting people to do that. In addition, um, for people who want to help financially, the United for Waukesha Community Fund has been created to fund those affected by the tragedy. Um, this is it's a it's a product of the United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County, which is partnered with the Waukesha Education Foundation and the Waukesha County Community Foundation to create the fund. And uh, people can make donations through the Waukesha Community Foundation at waukeshafoundation.org slash parade. And we'll have more details about that as time goes on. All right, we're awaiting the press conference. We'll bring that to you live when it occurs. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. There are a number of communities, in light of what happened yesterday, are re-examining what they are going to do this year. Now, in the last hour, we, we talked about would this affect you going to Christmas parades? Let me share with you a portion of the story that actually appears on, on Fox 6. Um, a number, uh, obviously, a number of communities are scheduled to have their various versions of, of Christmas parades. Already, according to Channel 6, people in Grafton and Whitefish Bay are considering whether or not they're going to go ahead with their events. In Whitefish Bay, the holiday stroll parade is set for this Friday. That, that's always a big deal. I used to live in Whitefish Bay. That's a very, very big deal. The executive director of the business district says, at this point, we have not made a decision as to what it will look like. The Whitefish Bay police, village managers, business district president and I uh, met this morning to discuss and we're going to have an emergency board meeting tomorrow to make a decision. The situation is incredibly sad. So obviously they're considering or contemplating perhaps canceling their holiday stroll parade. In Grafton, the annual Grafton Christmas parade is scheduled for this upcoming weekend. The Grafton police chief issued a, a news release where he says, first of all, that they extend their, their deepest condolences and sympathy. Um, and they say this morning, leaders from the Grafton police, fire, and DPW departments, along with the village administrator and parade organizers, met to discuss, one, if the parade should continue as planned, and two, what extra measures are we going to take to ensure the safety and security of parade participants and observers if the parade does go as planned? He goes on to say, obviously, we want to be respectful of the victims, their families, and the Waukesha community. At the same time, we believe this cannot allow, we cannot allow this tragedy to drive us into fear and keep us from celebrating the holiday season. There's been enough fear-mongering as of late. We don't need anything further to divide us. That being said, this is the statement, we have a lot to wrestle with over the next couple days. We will be convening again tomorrow, 3 p.m., to make a final decision as to go or no-go. We appreciate your patience. Rest assured, should the parade continue as planned, we are confident that our added measures will result in a safe and enjoyable event for all. So Whitefish Bay and Grafton, they're, they're already saying, hey, we're, we're considering whether we're going to do the holiday parade, the Christmas parades, or not. Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. What should be the response of communities around here to what happened yesterday? Should the response be 
no, we're, we're going to cancel the, the events, either out of respect for what happened and the victims of, of the tragedy that happened yesterday or out of concern that, gee, maybe, you know, something similar is going to happen again. Or should the response be, look, this was an unfortunate tragedy. It was a one-off. You had a guy who should not have been out of, of jail in the first place who was in a situation where he did this. And this is not a situation that is likely to repeat itself. And, of course, you're going to go ahead and have the holiday parade. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How should various parade organizers and communities respond in light of what happened last night? 855-616-1620. My, my comment, and I guess I feel very, very strongly about this, is if the question is go or no go, the, the, the only reasonable answer is, is go. I mean, you you cannot, it would seem to me, allow a crazy, one-off career criminal to stop events that people look forward to and work towards for the entire year. This was not an act of terrorism. This wasn't people being targeted. This was a guy who should have been behind bars, who was in a position to commit crimes. And unfortunately, you know, we we can't just bubble wrap our society. There's always going to be certain risks. But to me, if the question is go or no go, it's easy. And that that answer is go. We discuss in just a minute. 855-616-1620. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Looking for somewhere to watch this weekend's Packers game against the L.A. Rams? Join WTMJ's Carol Kane at Flannery's in downtown Milwaukee's historic Cathedral Square. Carol will be there from 3 to 6 with fun games, prizes, and much, much more. Plus, enjoy 22-ounce Miller Lights for just 4 bucks. 22-ounce Miller Lights. And you got 12 ounce Miller Lights. You got 24 ounce Miller Lights. These are 22 ounce Miller Lights for just four bucks. It's the Miller Lite watch party with WTMJ's Carol Kane at Flannery's for this Sunday's Packers game. For more information, head to WTMJ.com. Um, all right, interesting text. Our number is 855 616 1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You have. Uh, a number of communities that are scheduled to have holiday slash Christmas parades over the course of the next week or so, and many are openly considering whether in light of what happened last night, do you go ahead and do it? I guess there, there's a couple reasons why you would decide not to. First, the argument could be, well, it just doesn't feel right. It's too soon to this tragedy. We, we shouldn't have our events. Maybe another reason would be, gee, are we concerned about the safety of, of parade goers and participants? And the third thing would be, well, let's just go ahead and do it. You can't allow what was a this this parade wasn't targeted. I mean, I think it's very clear from what the police are saying. This was just a career criminal who should not have been out on the street, who was looking to get away from the scene of what appears to be his latest criminal enterprise. And he just pulled into the parade and then hit the gas to try to get through it. So it's not like parades all over the area are being um, are, are being targeted. But I understand that there is a concern that's out there. Is it too soon? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's see. Um, I think I say go on. This is Nancy in Oak Creek. I say go on with the events but have uh, responsible workers taking up collections to help the victims.
items labeled carefully um, for the Waukesha families. Well, that's, you know, that's an interesting point that if I think regardless of what happens, if the decision is made to go ahead with these various holiday parades, I certainly think it would be appropriate at the, the beginning of the parade before the parade steps off for there to be a, a moment of silence. I, I think it would also be a really positive thing. And, you know, we'll talk, we've talked about it before. We'll mention it again. There's a number of, through the United Way, Greater United Way of Milwaukee and Waukesha County and the Waukesha Foundation, they're already raising money. I think this would be an ideal opportunity to, I mean, use this as a chance to help allow people who want to make a contribution to make a contribution. Maybe that's turning, I hate the cliche, turning, you know, lemons into lemonade, but maybe that's, that's something positive that could come from that. 855-616-1620. Jeff, I would not go to any parade. It's too close to this very sad tragedy. People are hurting. Well, I mean, I, I understand the, the point the texture is making, but at the same time, how does, how does canceling the parade and saying, how does canceling the Grafton parade or how does canceling the, the Whitefish Bay parade or whatever, how does how does that help people get over their their hurt and their anger and and their upset um, at at this? And again, maybe the best way to do this is to channel it into something that that's a, that's positive with a recognition of this, and in addition, maybe a fundraising opportunity. Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, my thoughts are to keep the festivities and parades going. This is like a one in a million shot that happens, and if you're going to keep uh, focusing on this, you're going to put people in a cocoon. People get, get over this and just pass it on as a once in a, you know, once in a million, billion chance of it happening, yeah. and uh, people are just going to get scared to death and stay in their homes. you got to get life going. Well, it, it's kind of like I was thinking back from, from time to time. I, I remember years and years ago, we had a, a shooting at a Waukesha hotel and, and it was a horrible thing, but we didn't say, okay, we're, we're not going to, we're not going to go into hotels anymore. Or we're going to shut all that sort of stuff down. You, 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 you assess it and you say, okay, well, is, is this, are these people that are trying to, you know, go after parades and, and hurt people there? And, and that's not what this was. It certainly doesn't sound like that. So I'm with you. Don't you have to go on and continue living your life? What do you gain by saying okay we're not going to have the we're not going to have the parade this year especially after the parades were canceled last year because of covid in large part well absolutely i think uh people just have to get over these uh these uh drive-by media things that are one in a million one in a billion incidents and uh, move on okay well let me ask you the tough question mike let's say you had you had a, a son or daughter who was participating, who was a high school band member, and that high school band, your kid's high school band, was scheduled to march in the Grafton Parade or the Whitefish Bay Holiday Stroll or whatever. Would you would you let your kid do it? Uh, yeah. my Actually, uh, my uh, niece's uh, daughter, my grandniece, would, was in that, at that Waukesha Parade and got pulled out of the street in front of the car. Okay. Got it. Well, and I think I think that you know they might need some therapy, but uh, I my opinion is life has to go on, and uh, you can't get these things get get to you. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Hi, Jeff. Of course parade should go on. We can't let this thug, who shouldn't have been out in the first place, ruin it for everyone. I do think it would be appropriate at some of the other parades to do something like a moment of silence for the victims in Waukesha, but we can't live in fear like you said earlier. We live in a free society. We have to assume some risk 
any time that we do anything. Then one of our other texters um, does does raise the, the issue that I just raised with Mike. Some students, banned or similar, may not feel like participating, and, and this can be okay. Well, th- that's an interesting thing. I'm trying to imagine, trying to put myself back in high school or something like that. And if I was really into marching band, which I, I wasn't, and if you ever heard me try to play an instrument, you'd understand why. But if I was really into mar- into like a marching band and this activity, and I was scheduled, my band was scheduled to perform at a series of these holiday parades, and we had been practicing all year, and, and you said, okay, Jeff, do you want to go ahead with this or not? And I, I think my answer would be clearly, well, of course, I, I want to go ahead with it. I think you can, again, do this in a respectful way. I don't think it uh, depreciates in any way, shape, or form the significance of what happened and the tragedy and things like that. And like I say, maybe you can, you can turn it into a positive, do the moment of silence, maybe you know have some associated fundraising attached to this to help, again, you know generate some money, try to turn this into a positive. But I guess, I mean... If I was, I, I don't do parades as a general rule anymore, but I mean, if I was scheduled to ride or walk in one of these holiday parades, I, I'd do it. I mean, I don't I don't have a hesitation about that. I'm not afraid. I don't think the likelihood of this happening again is, I guess you can never say it's completely and totally non-existent, but I think it's extremely, extremely remote. This isn't a war on parades. This wasn't an attack, a premeditated attack on, on parade goers. This was... A, a psychopath who probably shouldn't have been who shouldn't have been out of prison who then you know was getting away from the scene of his latest crime and ended up you know killing a whole bunch of people but that this could have it could have been you know anytime he's driving around he could have driven up on the sidewalk he could have hit other people i don't think this is a justification for canceling parades jeff i think the parade should go on um maybe there should be a small float at the beginning of these parades commemorating the citizens of waukesha and honoring them in some way shape or form that would show respect while at the same time being able to enjoy the rest of the parade yeah i think that to me if i were advising the different parade organizers whether it's grafton or whitefish bay or wherever it wouldn't be let's figure out a way to to give in and let's cancel the parade it's let's go ahead with the parade Let's make sure that we can do it in a safe fashion. And then let's see, is there something we can do positive, something we can do to, again, honor the the people who were injured or killed as a result of this, acknowledge it, but then say, hey, we're going to go on and continue to live our life. I think that's a reasonable approach to take as opposed to just saying we're we're going to cancel this. If you believe you can do it safely, I think you should go ahead and, and do it. And I would say the same thing if your plans were to go out on Friday night to the Whitefish Bay Holiday Stroll or this weekend to Grafton, and you were planning to do that, I, I, I'd say go ahead and, and do it. We can't allow ourselves to be overwhelmed by fear. And this is Jeff Wagner. Um, a couple of the texters are saying, well, it's not so much fear, but like you were saying, in our opinion, maybe it's too soon. More about respect for the victims, that, that too soon factor to go ahead and have other Christmas parades. I guess maybe that's an individual decision to make. I, I just, if, if people have worked all year, and they do, putting together the, these parades, and it's something that brings a lot of joy to the people who participate and also to all the people who, who go out and enjoy the parades and love seeing Santa arrive and all that stuff. I, I, I guess I, I, on the one hand, I understand the too soon factor, but at the same time, my, my guess is that the 
I think most people would say you can do this in a respectful fashion. And by going ahead with the event that you have planned for the entire year, it doesn't minimize what, you know, what happened in, in Waukesha yesterday. I mean, I think you can do it. I think you can be respectful. I think you can enjoy yourself. And I think it's just, I always hate to see things canceled because we think, oh, this is, you know, be, because something horrible has happened here, so we, we have to completely upset our life. Now, by the way, the Waukesha School System have announced that they're closed today and tomorrow. I think that's clearly the appropriate thing. They were scheduled to be closed Already they were scheduled to be closed Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So given the nature of this, given the fact that there were children involved, it doesn't really make any sense to me to bring them back on, on a Tuesday when you're going to have the rest of the week off since that was built, built in anyways. So I think that's the appropriate thing. Do I think that we would cancel, for example, schools all across the rest of the area because of what happened in Waukesha? No, the answer would be no. And I guess I'd follow that same logic in saying I don't think you cancel parades that are scheduled throughout the rest of the community, but maybe you, like I say, kick them off with a little bit of an acknowledgement. All right, we are switching gears, some lighter stuff and some very serious stuff for the next hour of the program. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Greg Matzik, just to prove to you that I, I do listen to your sportscasts. Did I did I hear you say that there there's the, the Maui Classic that the Badgers are playing in? And it's being held in Las Vegas? Yes, naturally, yes. Well, I, I was just wondering that because, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I've, I've been to Maui and I've been to Las Vegas, and they're really, really far apart. So, okay. So, yeah, so the, the, <laughs> the organizers of the Maui Invitational decided uh, a few months ago that it was just not that easy to get a bunch of college students and the influx of teams uh, into the state of Hawaii with okay. COVID protocols and whatnot. They've okay. got some pretty strict rules. So. Uh, but interestingly enough, there is a team from Maui that they decided to let free and go to the States to play. So Shamanad is representing the island of Maui in okay. the Maui Invitational in Las Vegas. And playing in, in Las Vegas. Yes. So, so we, we couldn't, we wouldn't just call it like the Las Vegas Classic or something like that. We, oh, we, no, we call, branding is... We uh, call it the <laughs> Maui Classic, even though it's being held in Las Vegas. Uh, it's the Maui Gym, Maui Invitational, this year <laughs> in Las Vegas. Well, okay. Better than Detroit, I guess. I mean, uh, well, <laughs> well, uh, no. I mean, I, I I love Maui, and I've got nothing. I, I love Vegas. I'm a, okay. I just I was curious. I heard you correctly. The Maui Invitational, because you think, hey, that's a great thing. You know, people get to get out of the the crummy weather and stuff, and you go over to Maui for a few days, enjoy Hawaii. But instead, they're going to Las Vegas. Yeah, they, they've played in the Battle of Atlantis tournament in the Bahamas in years past. They they couldn't get in on that, but uh, yes, it. Next best thing, maybe I, I don't know. Well, for a I mean, college student, well, sure. Well, no, well, absolutely. When you think about Vegas, you've got you've got Paris, you've got you know, I mean, you have you you've got the Monte Carlo, you, you've got all sorts of things. You go to the Strip, <laughs> sure. and it's like the, the world comes to Las Vegas and things like that. I understand. Okay, I just want to make sure. Hey, the other thing, you, you said that uh, Jenkins is out for the year, which is clearly clearly a huge blow to the Packers. Yeah. So I, now teams don't normally have another All Pro that they could plug in, and the Packers do have David Bakhtiari, but that return situation. Remains cloudy at best. Well, the the thing that I, I found interesting about uh, about the the injury that that the Jenkins sustained is it wasn't a contact injury, right? He was just he was just like moving sideways, and his his knee gave out on him. Which yeah. my understanding is that happens sometimes. That's the, what happened to Bakhtiari, right? It's with, not like with a, the ACL. Yeah, and Bakhtiari was a practice injury. My goodness, but but yes, with an ACL, we saw it with Robert Tunney, we saw it with Jordy Nelson. If you want to go back a few years prior. 
commonly it's a non-contact sort of injury and you're able to walk off the field but your lateral ability is just it's shot you cannot do any of that the strength is gone uh so it's about a 10-month injury and Batiari is you know kind of knocking on the door of that uh, beyond the 10-month period now so Jenkins not only gone for the rest of this season this is a pro bowl right. caliber offensive line maybe the most versatile offensive lineman in the league uh the Packers will not have him not only for the rest of this season but good maybe, portion maybe of next not October of next season maybe November but again it's just it's always so interesting to me because you see some of these just horrific hits that 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 are administered and that the player gets up from it and walks off or, or maybe they're out for a week or two in this particular case again it, it's just it's a non-contact injury you're just moving laterally and uh, probably non-preventable. It's just something happens and uh, the, the, the tendon tears, right? Yeah, and you, you get a terrible feeling right away. Jenkins did, just popped into his normal pass set and just fell to the ground, really, without any contact, like you mentioned. So instantly your mind goes to ACL, wow. uh, which is kind of worst-case scenario. So uh, they've played without him before this season and held up pretty well on the offensive line. The idea of Bakhtiari coming back is certainly helpful, uh, but that remains a, a bit of a mystery as to when he'll actually take the field. Certainly not till after the bye week. I don't think there's any rush to get him on the field this week right. with the bye week upcoming. And then, of course, you look at, I mean, the Packers have had this year more than their share of what I would describe as catastrophic injuries. You have Robert Tanyan, who was emerging as one of the leading tight ends in the NFL, I think. You know, he, he goes down on that injury. Jair Alexander. Alexander, who might be one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, you know, goes out and maybe he's going to come back, but they don't know that for sure. And the list just goes on and on. Yeah, they've had issues now at outside linebacker with uh, Whitney Merciless, Rashawn Gary, Zadaria Smith played against the Saints way back in week one. That feels like a different season right. uh, and has not played since. And there's some thoughts that he's disgruntled about his contract situation, how much of that is a back injury, who knows, but you haven't been able to rely on him. So it, it finally came to a head, I think, against Minnesota. Won a lot of pass rush. There was a lot of penalties. It was just sort of sloppy. Yet the Packers right. were still very much in it at the end. So, uh, got to find a way to regroup. But hopefully, get healthy. And, and the bye week coming, I think, at a a pretty opportune time. Okay. So I'll ask you the one question my ask my wife asks me yesterday. That I didn't know. She said, "This kicker really stinks. How much longer can <laughs> they go ahead with him?" And I said, "Well, you know, he, he's been. I said he's he's been around for a long time, and he's kind of like a legendary scorer and stuff." And she says, "Jeff, how many field goals has he missed recently? Every time I'm watching TV with you, he's missing a field goal." <sighs> it's always something with special teams, isn't it? Yeah, it's always something when it comes to the Packers. But he was 100 percent last year. Mason Crosby started the season nine for nine, and then everything just sort of went haywire. So I, I've been focusing more on where the laces are after a snap. I, right? Oh I'm, yeah. I'm studying everything about this because I don't think it's all just the kicker. Uh, though I do believe his miss yesterday that was all him. Yeah. Uh, but it I can't because right, it looked right. Some, I understand it, you got a new right. snapper. Everything got, looked right, and you got a new holder. But at some point in time, you know, kickers power through that. And there's, I get there's botched stab, snaps, but my goodness. Yeah, been, and now you're holding your breath on an extra point, for goodness sake, right? I mean, especially when you're trying to come back and tie the game, potentially win, like it was the well, case yesterday. That, I, don't, I don't mean to rub salt in the wound, but you make that 32-yard chip shot in the first quarter, and that's the three points you lost by. Yeah, I know. It's uh, one of a variety of things that haunted the Packers, I think, yesterday. Makes a 54-yarder. And then Just misses, barely, uh, but yes, but he made it. Yeah. <laughs> and then misses one of extra point length. So, okay, all right. I, yeah, it's been a troublesome year. With all right, I'll, I'll tell Fran that you don't exactly know either. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a head it's scratcher. A, it, it is a head scratcher. Okay, thanks. That's Greg Matzik with the. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think you know everybody who recognized the Packers are all in. It's just kind of like you start to have these. You know, you can all you understand that there's always going to be players that get hurt and injuries and stuff. But you get to a certain point where you go, you know, how many how many other players can you just 
plug in, especially when you start losing the really significant players. One more one more thought on on what happened in Waukesha. And every once in a while, I say that while I like individual people, every once in a while, I just collectively, I think I just dislike people in general. And it's because of stuff like this. After the, the tragedy in Waukesha, I received a handful of emails from people who said this was inevitable. It is the fault of Republicans. If there wasn't this climate of, of hate, you wouldn't have stuff like this happen. And this is this is ten minutes after this this story is is breaking. Or this and another another honest to God and another email I got with somebody. This is this is just the aftermath of Rittenhouse. And I'm thinking. What we we don't know anything at all. We don't know if this is terrorism. We don't know if this is domestic violence. Well, now we know it's a guy who shouldn't have been out on the street in the first place who ended up committing these crimes. But there's people out there who jump to this idea. If we want to politicize everything, I mean, the investigation is in its early stages. They're still taking people to the hospital, and I'm getting texts from folks who are or emails from folks who are, oh, this is this is all the politics of it. Well, here's a follow up of somebody. Um, her name is Mary Lemansky. She claims to be affiliated with Second City Comedy Group, which is the, the famous comedy group that, that's out of, of Chicago. She was also, up until today, she was the social media director of the Democratic Party of DuPage County, Illinois. So her first reaction yesterday, when we get the news of the tragic events in Waukesha, first of all, she goes on her Twitter account and says, it was probably just self-defense, hashtag Wisconsin, hashtag Kyle Rittenhouse. It was probably just self-defense. So you've got five people dead, you've got 40 more injured, and, and she wants to politicize this and mocks it, mock it. Then she's not happy with that. She sends out another tweet. Living in Wisconsin, he probably felt threatened, again, referring to the SUV driver in the Waukesha um, case. Then she sends another one. I'm sure he didn't want to hurt anyone. He came to help people. And again, this is tied into the Rittenhouse case. Shows she's equating this this psychopath career criminal who mows down you know tens of people at a Christmas parade. She's equating him with the Rittenhouse defense. Well, um, let's see that it didn't. This did not go over well, and the DuPage County Democratic Party um, said we are deeply saddened by the tragedy in Waukesha. We are aware of statements made by a former member of our organization. We find them to be incredibly insensitive and not in alignment with who we are as an organization. We do not support hate in any form. Well, this was clearly an example of a woman who was so obsessed with politics that she was obsessed with hate, and she couldn't help herself. This is one where maybe you should think twice before you hit that send button. All right. When we come back, I I do want to talk about one aspect of the Rittenhouse case, and it seems like almost forever, but that that was Friday. I sent out a a tweet about this earlier this morning. So if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I have a link to a story that appeared in the Journal Sentinel and JS Online. And along with the story, there were a couple photographs. There was one photograph in particular that caught my attention. I will share it with you and we will discuss in just a moment. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, I, I, I sent a link to the story that appears 
in the Journal Sentinel and it's on JS Online about the, the protests, the protests that occurred in Kenosha on, on Sunday. The headline is Kenosha protesters rallying after Rittenhouse verdict call for focus on case of sex trafficking victim Crystal Kaiser. And it's saying she, she was a, a, a girl who, a young woman who shot her the guy that put her into sex trafficking. And the argument is that, you know, we should be as concerned with that self-defense case or that claim as we were with Rittenhouse. And it's all well and good. And the story goes on and it highlights uh, the protests that wasn't a huge protest. I mean, it doesn't look to me like there was an enormous number of marchers. I mean, dozens, you know, maybe more, probably less than 100. But, you know, people who marched in Kenosha, and that's fine. And I'm looking at the different photographs that accompany the the story and um, all all good photographs. It shows people, you know, who are marching, and that's fine. And then it shows some people who are, you know, talking and addressing the crowd, and that's fine. But the picture that, that the photograph that got my attention is at the end of the story. So you got you got to go down a little bit through the story. And it's a picture of an older black man with a younger black female. They are both carrying what look like AR-15s. They were both carrying what the media would commonly describe as assault weapons. And they're both in, like, boots. And um, he looks like he might be wearing, like, a, a flak jacket. Can't quite tell. But they're standing next to each other, and they're armed to the teeth. And the, the caption here of the photograph says, Eric Jordan and his 16-year-old daughter, Jordan, So she's Jordan Jordan. Eric Jordan and his 16-year-old daughter, Jordan, carry long guns during a rally at Civic Center Park in Kenosha on Sunday, November 21st. Eric Jordan said they were there to provide security for those marching and attending the rally. All right. Now, I admit that this this struck me because I'm, I'm thinking, all right, this guy's takeaway from all the stuff that happened in the Rittenhouse trial. This guy's takeaway from that case is that it's a good idea to give your 16-year-old daughter a long rifle and take her to a protest to provide security. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, I I understand there's many... Many people have really, really strong opinions one way or the other about the Rittenhouse case, and and I get it. But you would think that one takeaway that all of us could, could have from this matter is that bringing firearms like this into situations that can turn out to be volatile is never a good idea. On top of that, Arming your 16, and I don't care what the law says, arming your 16-year-old daughter with a long rifle and bringing her to a protest to provide security is one of the craziest damn things that I have seen in a long time. Have we really learned nothing from Rittenhouse? And again, I, I don't care if this guy shows up to provide security for the marchers or if he was in the crowd, some counter-protesters or whatever. If we can take nothing from the Rittenhouse decision and what happened and the entire circumstances of the last year plus, can it be that we shouldn't be taking kids, especially giving them guns and taking them into these sorts of situations? 
What kind of parent does this? 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I will tell you, if that's the lesson that people are drawing from the Rittenhouse case, well, we're in for... It, it's going to be a really, really bumpy time over the course of the next six months or a year. Because if that's now the standard of operation, let's bring our children to these protests and let's arm them to the teeth and let's see what's going to happen. Well, nothing good is going to come from that. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I, I tell you, I looked at this photograph and that reaction, my reaction to that whole story was just absolutely unreal we're going to go provide security for those marching and attending the rally. 855-616-1620. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. If you're just tuning in, there's a story in the Journal Sentinel about a, a Rittenhouse-related protest that was held yesterday in Kenosha. And that's all well and good. We got some photographs. And the one that struck me is two. it's a guy and his 16-year-old daughter who are... Uh, well, they're, they're both carrying what the media would typically describe as assaults, assault-style rifles. And, you know, they're, he in particular is dressed in what looks like fatigues and kind of a flat ja- flak jacket and things like this. And the caption says they were there to provide security for those marching and attending the rally. And I remember thinking, my God, th- this guy's takeaway from the Rittenhouse case and all the havoc that occurred is... I'm going to take my 16-year-old daughter, I'm going to give her a gun, and we're going to show up at a protest to provide security. It just, it, it's, regardless of how you feel about the Rittenhouse case, to me, this is unreal. A 17-year-old, a mother who lets the 17-year-old son take a gun and go into this situation, you go, what were you thinking? And a, six, a guy who brings his 16-year-old daughter to the same sort of situation to provide security, it, it's just, it, it's mind-blowing to me. And I guess I do wonder if this is the takeaway that people are going to have from the Rittenhouse case, oh, let's get our kids, let's arm them to the teeth, and let's have them show up in protest. It's going to be a long year. Let's talk to Lamar in uh, Florida. Lamar, hello. Hey, Jeff. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with your take on this. Uh, but this is the precedence that we have set. Um, I don't want to get into the gun debate because that, that'll work. We, this, it, America is what America is. But we have to become more serious about, you know, how we deal with our, our, our weapons, and how we, uh, you know, address it because this is crazy. Mm-hmm. But and it's and I, I think it's only going to get worse. I agree. I, you know, I, the 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 Rittenhouse case was what it was. I, you know, I, I get that he was defending himself. He shouldn't have been put in that situation to yep. begin with. I agree with that you completely. Is the thing that, I, that I'm upset about. And another thing that I don't think that he is going to be mentally okay moving forward because I couldn't imagine being a 17 year old having even in self defense having to take a life, mm-hmm. let alone three. You know, and and being in that situation, and so for that, you know, he's not gonna be right. But moving forward, we, you know, the way that the laws are written, it, it, it was okay. Yeah. And of course, people are gonna challenge that because that's what we do as Americans. But but let me focus you. I guess, and and I see, and I agree, Lamar, and I, I think. Every legislature, including Wisconsin, they should be meeting today to say, all right, do we really think it's a good idea for 16 and 17-year-olds to be carrying firearms on on the streets? And I I would hope most of us would agree it's a bad idea. But to me, the interesting aspect of this case is it's the dad. I mean, can can you imagine, Lamar, your father saying, here, let's let's take the AK-47 and let's go down to this protest march to provide security. I mean, it's mind-boggling to me that any parent would do that i agree but first of all my dad would never say <laughs> never say <laughs> yeah. do that um you know we, you know we 
treated them much differently. But unfortunately, in our and again, everything is hyper politicized, right? right? But whenever we try to make a reasonable, even a reasonable uh, gun law, you know, yeah. it's pushed back as if it's going to end up in confiscation, and, I, and that just drives right. me nuts. Which is why I don't think that's going to change. We are who we are, and I just, unfortunately, Jeff, you know, I, I don't have that kind of faith when it comes to, you know, any, any reasonable gun control. I think that we are where we are, and we're just going to have to, it's going to be the normal moving forward. Yeah, thanks, Nicole. I mean, I hope you're wrong. See, in Wisconsin, like the, the statute, Rittenhouse was charged with illegally possessing a a, a firearm, dangerous weapon, by somebody under, under, under the age of 18. And there appears to be a loophole in the law. And I really believe it's a loophole. I don't believe the legislature, and, and sometimes when they're drafting these things, they are imprecise. I think the, the legislature really did intend to say 16- and 17-year-olds shouldn't have handguns and rifles and shotguns on, on the street, a- absent exceptions for hunting or target shooting or things like that. I really think this was a mistake. And it's it's an easy mistake to clear up. You go back, you change a couple words in the statute, and boom, you, you've made it clear. And we're now in a situation where, again, if you want to argue that 25-year-olds shouldn't bring AR-15s to these protests, I, I'm willing to have that conversation a, as well. But 16-year-old kids, 17-year-old kids, wouldn't we all agree that Rittenhouse's mother, you know, should you know should have done every? And I I agree that she he he did not. Sh- bring the gun across state lines. But the mom should have discouraged him from going down there and being armed to the extent that that she knew. No parent, it would seem to me, would take your minor child and put themselves in that situation. You put themselves in harm's way. And Rittenhouse put himself in harm's way, and to the extent that the mom knew about it and could have prevented it, I believe she should have. In this particular case, though, you've got the dad who brings the girl down there. They're standing side by side. This is their daddy-daughter act. You know, they're standing side by side, holding their guns to provide security at this march. And I don't care, you know, what side of the march you're on. Putting your 16-year-old daughter in this in this sort of situation, is just an invitation for bad things to happen. And if this is the legacy of Rittenhouse, well, okay, it's going to be a long 2022, I guarantee it. If you want to see the link to the story again, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620 I've got a link. But that that was my takeaway. I said, my God, this is a dad who's there with a 16-year-old daughter, and this is this is their father-daughter bonding. Let's go grab guns, and let's go... You know, put on our flak jackets or put on our whatever, and, and let's go and stand for security at some protest. Gee, what could possibly go wrong with that? This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, l- let's end the program on on a lighter note. Again, I, I posted this this on Twitter yesterday afternoon, after um, but you know before all the stuff happened in, in Waukesha. So here is the story, and I, I've got I've got film clips of it. San Diego, right? The freeway between like San Diego and Los Angeles is one of the busiest freeways in the country. So Friday morning, about 9.15, so you're just at the end of rush hour. What happens is there's an armored car that is bringing money from a bank in San Diego to a Federal Reserve Bank. So the bank is full of cash. The, the, the armored car is full of cash transporting it up the freeway. Something happens and a door to the armored car pops open. And what happens is bags of cash fall out onto the freeway 
And when they fall out, they explode. And as they describe it, it's raining money. So you've got people who are driving on the freeway, and all of a sudden, there's all this cash that is floating around. Well, what what, what happens is, people being people, immediately everybody stops their cars. Three or four lanes of the freeway. Everybody comes to a complete halt, and people get out running, and they're scooping up the, the money as fast as they can. And, of course, because this is 2021 and everything we do has to be on social media, they're, they're filming themselves. Here, I'm, you know, they're, they're filming themselves jumping up and down, scooping up all this money and dancing around and things like that, like it's raining money and it's like, uh, okay, Christmas, Christmas has come, you know, Christmas Christmas has come to San Diego early. And, of course, they're pushing each other to try to see who can grab the most money. The way I described it on the Twitter account is it's like Lord of the Flies and Christmas all rolled into one. Okay, so I'm watching this go on. Now, first of all, what these people don't realize is that, or maybe they do and they don't care, it's it's not their money. This isn't like found money. This is money that belongs to this bank. And what they're doing might not exactly be looting, but it's only about a half step removed from that. But on top of it, they're all filming themselves, right? This is the idea. It's kind of like the idiots who, you know, went into the Capitol on January 6th and they're filming themselves. All right, so now there's a record of people breaking into the Capitol. So all you need to do is you need to look and identify the folks. Oh, I know that. That guy's my neighbor. He was the one sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk. Okay, well, it's not hard to bring charges. This is the same thing. You get these people dancing around, and they're filming themselves, and they're smiling, and they're carrying all this money. And so now authorities are saying... Okay, you know, we're, we're going to be going after this aggressively. And people who took this money, if we are able to identify you, and we believe that we're going to be able to identify a lot of you based on all the social media thing, because apparently what happened is at one point in time, one of the guards in the truck, they started to go out and to try to scoop up the money, but there were so many people that were just there, you know, grabbing the money and sticking it in their coats and stuff that you couldn't stop it. So what he started to do is he started to film all the people. So they've got license plates. They've got photographs of the people that are involved in doing this. And now they're pretty much putting out a blanket thing saying, unless you come in and turn in the money, you're going to be charged. Now, there's a limit to that because you don't know how much any one particular person stolen, stole or took, but you're going to be able to identify it. Okay, we've really only got a couple minutes, but I'm curious as your reaction. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. If you were one of those drivers on the freeway in San Diego Friday morning, and you know what happens. All of a sudden, you know, the bag falls out, bags fall out of the armored car. It's raining money. What are you going to do? Are you going to do what the people did there? Stop the car, run out, see how much you can grab as quickly as you can grab? Or are you just going to keep going? 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, in this particular case, like I say, it's not an anonymous crime. Because everybody's, they've got a lot of people at least on film. And so they are saying very clearly um, that, um, that 
The authorities plan to use social media videos and photos to track down anyone who fails to return the money. If you found money on the freeway, it's not your money. It belongs to the FDIC and the armored truck and the bank. It needs to be returned. Two people were arrested at the scene. Um, anyone, if they don't return it within 48 hours, you will be looking at criminal charges. By Friday afternoon, about a dozen people had returned cash, which was mostly in $1 and $20 bills, the San Diego Union-Tribune reported. 855-616-1620. What would you do? Jeff, um, all I see when I see the scene is the end of a mad, 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 mad world, right, which is the great movie featuring Spencer Tracy and Jonathan Winters and all. That's how the, that movie ends. This, of course, though, wasn't a, a movie here. Um, and a couple other people, Andy and Burlington, making that point as well. Jeff, um, I have such a guilty conscience, I would never sleep. That being said, I would have probably driven past the money. Um, well, you know, that's it. Somebody else says it's theft, plain and simple. Yes, that, that's exactly right. It is theft. It doesn't belong to you. Now, I have no doubt that some people thought that they could take this money and just get away with it because nobody would ever know. But this, you, you want to say to those folks who thought that, hey, this isn't like, you know, you're walking through the Walmart parking lot. And you look down and there's an envelope and you open up the envelope and it's got a, you know, it's got a thousand dollars and hundred dollar bills in it. That's not this situation because the truth of the matter is, well, everybody's filming themselves. And then, of course, you've got a lot of the morons who do exactly that. Here, look, it's raining money. I've got this money here. I'm going to film myself doing it and then I'm going to post it on social media. And in other words, here's exhibit A that I stole it. Jeff, I would have grabbed the cash and given it to the guard standing there. I, I wouldn't have taken it. I guess I just I mean, I know that this this wasn't. It wasn't mine. And plus, you know where it came from. I mean, to me, this is effectively, it's sort of like the same thing as you walk into the convenience store and the clerk's not looking and they've got the till open. Would you reach in and would you clean it out of $100 bills? No, you wouldn't do it, or at least most of us, I would like to think, wouldn't do it. But that's precisely what this was. Um, Jeff, I work at a bank, so it probably wouldn't be a good move for my career if I'm caught doing this. No, it probably wouldn't. Um, Jeff, it's kind of like shoplifting your Christmas presents. How could you possibly feel good about it? Well, I don't think most people could feel good about it. Uh, Jeff, it sounds like this could be the next reality TV show. Yeah, what, what's the show? It used to be on, I think maybe they've, they brought it back again, like Supermarket Sweep. And the idea is you have people with the shopping carts and they're running through a, a, a mock supermarket. And the idea is you're trying to grab as much as much as you possibly can. And the person who grabs the items that cost the most, they end up winning and they get on, they get the prizes and stuff. This is sort of like Supermarket Sweep on Interstate 5. But the problem is it's illegal. And I guess I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking it's Lord of the Flies out there. And and somewhere, somehow, along the way, we're sort of losing ourselves. And, and I'm, I don't mean to take a situation that's, on the one hand, it's kind of funny. Nobody got hurt. But on the other hand, it does so, show this, this kind of larger breakdown of society that we're, everybody's out. It's something for nothing. And it doesn't belong to me, but that doesn't matter. I'm going to grab it. And then I'm going to photograph myself grabbing it. I'm, obviously, they don't think that part through. But 
It's Lord of the Flies. And I guess the question is, can't we be better than that? And maybe the answer is no. When we come back, we'll find out what John McCure has on his mind on Wisconsin's Afternoon News.